We're reading from um, the book of Haggai and chapter 2, verses 1 to 9. In the second year of King Darius, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the king priest, and to the remnant of the people. Ask them, who of you is left who saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Does it not seem to you like nothing? But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord, and work, for I am with you, declares the Lord. This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. This is what the Lord says, sorry, the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations, and what is desired by all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. This is the word of the Lord. Helen is going to speak to us. Uh, we're going to just say a prayer over her. Father, we thank you for what your daughter has prepared. Holy Spirit, speak through her and deliver your word to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Betty. Good morning. Morning if you're watching at home or on the stream later. It's good to have you with us as well. So this morning we're continuing to look at the book of Haggai. And as we know, Haggai was an Old Testament prophet speaking during the time when the first group of exiles had returned to Jerusalem. They come back to rebuild the temple under the guidance of Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, as we heard in the reading. And you can read all about this, the history of it, in the book of Ezra. Now, our Bible doesn't make it easy because the book of Ezra is lumped together with the other so-called historical books, books that recount what actually happened to God's people and their history. But the prophet Haggai comes 22 books later in our Bible. It's amongst the prophetic books, which to make it even more confusing, are listed in their size rather than in their chronological order. So it really helps us to understand what's going on if we know that Haggai the prophet is a contemporary of those trying to rebuild the temple um, as recounted in the book of Ezra. He's speaking directly to Jeshua, Zerubbabel, and the rest of the returned exiles. 
So last week we heard how the people had returned to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple according to God's instructions. But they were procrastinating and making excuses, spending their time and resources on making their own houses beautiful. But they had listened to the Lord through the prophet Haggai and had started the rebuilding program. We read about this in the book of Ezra, where chapter 5 says... Now Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the prophet, a descendant of Ido, prophesied to the Jews in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel, who was over them. Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, son of Jehozadak, set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem. And the prophets of God were with them, supporting them. So you can see how the two books sort of link together. As we come to chapter 2 of Haggai, it's just a month or so later than his previous uh, prophecy, which we heard about last week with Tim, and God speaks to the people again. The first of the prophet's words in verse 3 are directed to those who remember the old temple, which had been built by Solomon, but had been destroyed when the nation was taken into exile. Now, they must have been the older generation because the Israelites had been exiled for a good number of years. But now they're grumbling as the new temple is being rebuilt and it's not going to be a patch on the old temple. In Ezra 3, we read, And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who'd seen the former temple wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. So how does this apply to us? Well, as we continue seeking God's vision for Christ Church under the Renew, Rebuild, Restore, or is it Renew, Restore, Rebuild? I'm not quite sure. We are tempted to look back at how things were. And especially for those of us who've been here for a good number of years, and we can grumble and be disappointed, can't we? How do we feel when we see the work of our young people restarting with just a very few precious people under Chris Curtis's care? When we compare this with the youth work we used to have, the Wednesday evenings full up, the youth weekends, do we, like the elders in Jerusalem, despise what is happening now? Or do we thank God for what he did in the past, thanking him for all he did, for the opportunity to serve our community in that way, for the fruit, seen and unseen, which undoubtedly came from that. Haggai's words should be a warning to us not to look back to the past with longing for what was two services, the noise, chocolate Sunday, parenting classes, holiday clubs with a hundred children, but to look back with thanksgiving God doesn't want us to forget what has happened here in the past, but to remember with thanksgiving, to be grateful for what he has done, and perhaps to learn lessons from it. And there are plenty of encouragements to remember what God has done. Psalm 77 says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. And another psalm, 105, says, Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgments he pronounced. And the Bible's full of other encouragements to remember what God has done. Peter's sermon in Acts, Stephen's sermon in Acts 7, they tell of the wonderful things that God has done for his people. 
So we are to look back with thanksgiving, but then we're to turn our heads to the present and give thanks for what God is doing now. It may look small at the moment, but we need to remember that when this church was first planted here in Bushmead, there was a minister, a very small group of people, and Magda and Mark were part of that, weren't you? There was no building, no staff, just people obeying God's call. And we need to be reminded that our God is a creative God. He's the God of new things. The prophet Isaiah says in chapter 43, See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do not perceive it. I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And although that was a prophecy directed to the Jews at that time, it can be just as, proof, as true for us here in 2022 in Christchurch. So those rebuilding the temple were doing it in obedience to God, following the words of the prophet Jeremiah. And you can read about that in Ezra 1. In fact, I recommend you read Ezra. Um, and they, their obedience brings glory to God's name. And it's our obedience to God that is so important. So when we see three children in church instead of, instead of the 30 or so who used to be here, we need to give thanks for them, to pray for them, to encourage those who are rebuilding our children's work. And the same goes for all the things that are happening, things that have been restarted or new things. So back in that time, did Haggai's words in verse 1 to 5 do any good? Well, yes, they encouraged the old men, and I suppose old women as well, to stop whinging, and the temple got rebuilt. Ezra 6 says, So the elders of the Jews continued to rebuild and prosper under the preaching of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah, a descendant of Ido. They finished building the temple according to the command of the God of Israel and the decrees of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, kings of per Persia. So they got the job done. They were obedient. Now the second section of our reading from verse 6 is speaking about the future, but is still meant to encourage the workers that what they were doing then will have an impact in the future. When prophets deliver God's word, there are often a number of layers, perhaps something for the present, but something which also relates to the future. And scholars believe that's what's happening here. The temple they were rebuilding will be used for their sacrifice and their worship. But more than that, some 500 years later, Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, God the Son, and the desire of nations, as, it's, as it says in the book of Haggai, desire of nations, would speak and teach in that temple they were rebuilding bringing God's glory right into the place. God declares to those rebuilding that this temple, less splendid perhaps in human terms than the previous one, would be more glorious. Those doing the rebuilding would not see it, nor would their sons and daughters, but God's promise would be fulfilled. And again, it's not about what we see through our human eyes, but what God sees, and we just need to be obedient. As Jesus taught in that temple just a few days before his death on the cross, how could his disciples have known that just a few weeks later at Pentecost, 
which we'll celebrate in a couple of weeks, the temple of God would again be transformed as the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit and they became the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Now, Haggai couldn't possibly have imagined that the Holy God of Israel would come and live in individual believers, and that's you and me, rather than in a glorious temple. But in obedience, Haggai delivered God's word. And those who heard him then, and those who who read his words today, can connect with the very words of Almighty God. People listening to Haggai's prophecy about the future probably thought it was a bit weird. And some of the other Old Testament prophets were definitely a bit weird by our standards. One of them laid down on one side for days on end and then turned over and laid down on his other side for days on end just to make a point. They were often incredibly unpopular, sometimes being murdered. Who'd want to be a prophet? Do you want to be a prophet? Would you like God to give you the gift of prophecy? Listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening encouraging and comfort. We really need prophetic people today when there are so many other voices, politicians, social media, television, celebrity culture, other faiths, we are in even more need of God's direction and encouragement. We need people who are prepared to stand up and speak to this nation to come alongside those in government, to speak to our church leaders, to give direction. Courageous people who are not afraid to be unpopular as they speak God's word to this generation. We need to pray that God would raise up those people. Now, does this sound like you? Well, maybe and maybe not. Although Paul encourages encourages each of us to desire the gift of prophecy. Some people are given the gift of the office of a prophet, like Haggai, like others in the Old Testament. They have a particular role to play in delivering God's word to a wider audience. But each of us can hear God's word and pass it on. That's the level of the gift that Paul is talking about. And this should be a normal part of our Christian lives and of our church life. It doesn't need to be weird. We don't need to shout or rant and rave, but to quietly seek God and to pass on what he says with humility. Paul says, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. Do you want to be somebody who does that for the other members of your church family, members of your home group, your friends and your family? Somebody who speaks to them for their strengthening, encouraging and comfort. Well, I know I'd like that. I'd like to be able to do that. And this is a gift which God loves to give. 
The prophet Joel spoke about what would happen on the day of Pentecost when the believers were filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, And afterward I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. Well, I reckon I can fit myself into one of those categories, and so can each of you, as we are all a son or a daughter. And it says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. And each, of, each one of us has the ability to hear God's voice. In John's Gospel, it says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now we'll each hear him in different ways through the Holy Spirit bringing special understanding to God's word in the Bible, through dreams, audible words, pictures, wise advice. But the spiritual gift of prophecy generally means that what we hear is for others, to build them up. And it's a great thing for a church, but it does need to be handled carefully and with humility. And if you think that God has said something to you about someone or about the church, we're not just to jump in straight away, but just to check it out first. Ask God if that's right. And we are to approach those God wants to speak to with gentleness, suggesting that this could be from the Lord, and they should check it out for themselves. And this means that if we have a word for the whole church, we should pass it to the leadership first for them to weigh up. Very often, the Old Testament prophets gave their message first to the leaders, perhaps to the high priests, and we should consider doing the same. Of course, that's not to say that we shouldn't speak out words of prayer or praise, perhaps during our worship here in church. But if it's a case of direction or even admonishment, it should be directed through the leadership and delivered with love and care. Jesus wants to renew, restore, and rebuild his church. And here in Bushmead, the gift of prophecy is an important tool in that process. When we hear from him and do what he wants, we will bring glory to his name. And we do need to hear from him. If we are to be obedient, we need to know what we're being obedient to. What it is, what is it that that God wants our church and us as individuals to actually do. In Haggai chapter 1, God says, Go up into the mountains and bring down timber and build my house, so that I may take pleasure in it and be honoured, says the Lord. God is specific here. He tells them what to do. And at this stage in the life of our church, we need to hear from God what it is he actually wants us to do. We need some specifics. And to find out what these things are and to put them into effect, we need a variety of gifts. Prophecy, people who are willing to spend time in prayer, perhaps with the gift of wisdom, exhortation, leadership, ministration. Without these gifts, we'd just be doing our own thing, which in the end will be fruitless. When we hear what it is God wants us to do, we can then be obedient and get on with it. So just a couple of things to finish. Do we feel that our work here for God is insignificant? That it won't make a difference? Remember what Haggai says, 
that it's not about you or me, it's about God. It's not about success on our terms. Our calling is just to be obedient and then to be filled with glory as we are now the temple of God. We're maybe not that spectacular to look at like the temple of old, but we have Christ in us and we're like treasure in pots of clay. We've spoken this morning about prophecy, both the office of the prophet like Haggai, but also the gift that Paul mentions, one that's more commonly used. And if you're at Letton Hall, as Betty's spoken about a couple of weeks ago, you will know that we spoke about this and did a bit of a practical exercise. But many of you weren't there. So I'd like us all just to stand now and to consider the words on the screen from 1 Corinthians 14. You'd like to just stand. It says, Follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit. But the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Paul asks us to eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. Just in the quiet, let's each one of us do that now, asking God to give us that gift so that we can be the ones who strengthen, encourage, and comfort each other.